Welcome to Passion Life Church. Welcome to church this morning. Come on, let's give the Lord the best hand clap. We're going to give Him all day. He's good. I hope you're having a good summer. I hope you're able to spend some quality time with your family and your friends and your pets. I don't know. But uh, church is growing. People are in and out for vacation. And uh, all I ask is that you bring me back something when you go on vacation. No, I'm kidding. But we're glad that you're here. And I hope you're having a good summer. hope that you're experiencing some good weather. And today we're continuing the Overcomer series. Come on, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. You know, I believe in this Overcomer series. It's, it's really kind of simple. Our God is an overcomer. And he proved that by sending his son Jesus, who came to earth, took on flesh, walked around. I think about how even the demons were scared that when Jesus would just walk up, they'd get, ah, Jesus. I mean, he had that type of power. But he, the Bible says that he humbled himself and he went to the cross. And what he did was he took on all our sin, past, present, and future. And he went into the grave, into death. And here's what I love. Death could not defeat our God. Oh, I wish you were as excited as I was about that, but death could not defeat him. The grave could not defeat him, and the devil thought that he was done. He thought that God, that Jesus was done, but he wasn't. Jesus rose again and overcame. Can anybody shout for just a moment and thank God that he is an overcomer? And here's what I love. He overcame because he wants you to overcome. And here's the great news that I love. I don't have to create victory. Jesus already crafted the victory. As a matter of fact, so Jesus has won the spiritual victory legally so I can experience it literally. And I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what battle might be in front of you, but can I just tell you, Jesus has won the victory. And I, my job is literally to enforce the victory that Jesus has already won. I don't have to achieve something that Jesus has already achieved. It's already done. And we need to have that mindset as an overcomer because God is an overcomer. He wants you to overcome. Romans 8, 37 says, Nay, in all things, in all things, all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, here's the reality, right? Here's where the rubber meets the road. Now, just because God has said that about us, that we're an overcomer, doesn't mean that you're not going to face battles in life. Just because God overcame the devil doesn't mean that the devil's not running rapid, right? He doesn't want you to experience this amazing, abundant life that God has. As a matter of fact, he's going to do everything that he can in his power to prove this not true, right? And we're living in that age, and he's going to come against us. So there is going to be battles. But here's what we have learned. We've learned that in order to fight spiritual battles, we have to fight them with spiritual weapons. So God gives us armor. And I believe if you'll use this armor, if you'll get dressed in this armor, you can be undefeated. Did you find Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13? Let's read. This is where we've been the last six weeks and we have one more next week that I, I believe is really going to help you. Ephesians 6 verse 13 says this, wherefore take under the whole armor of God. Everybody say whole armor. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Anybody's had any evil days in their life? He says, you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Where do we stand? 
We stand in the victory that Jesus already won. Verse 14, stand therefore with your loins girt about with truth. One translation says a belt with truth. Why? Truth holds everything together. If we'll have truth, it'll hold all this armor together. So it says having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, right? What is the breastplate of righteousness? That we are qualified to be a child of God. Why? Because Jesus became unqualified so we could be qualified. Jesus became sin so we could become the righteousness of God. Can I hear a good amen? And so one scripture says, righteousness will deliver you, verse 15. And having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Remember we said, peace is not the absence of trouble, but peace is the presence of God. Right? There's always trouble. We never measure our peace by trouble. We measure our peace by the presence and the God that is with us. Amen? Yeah. But some people have a lot of trouble and they go, oh, my peace is shrinking. No, my friend, you let your peace dictate your trouble, not your trouble dictate your peace. Woo, somebody should wrap that. That's pretty good. Woo, I'm on fire today. Like a fajita. Okay, never mind. Stand, therefore, having your loins gored about with truth and having your breastplate of righteousness and your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. That means you're believing. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation, which we talked about last week, your thought life. And then it says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Today, what I want to talk to you about is staying stuck to your sword. Let me say that again. Staying stuck to your sword. Today is all about the offensive. You know, we've gone through this armor, and uh, each armor, really every piece, is literally a gospel truth. If you understand each gospel truth, you will have the full armor on. But when you don't understand these gospel truths, there's holes in your armor. But literally, the armor that we have gone through is really protection. But today, we're going through the offensive, right? We're going to go through, and what's going to happen today, and I'm glad you're here, this whole armor mentality that Paul is talking about is going to make sense to us. Because we need the whole armor, right? And what Paul is doing is in Ephesians chapter 6, he's looking at a Roman soldier. He was in prison, and as he's writing under the unction of the Holy Spirit. He's looking at a Roman soldier and he talks about his helmet. He's using the analogy of a helmet of salvation. And then he realized that these Roman soldiers had a, a, a sword. And the reason why they had a sword is because they did a lot of hand-to-hand -hand combat, a lot of face-to-face -face combat. And so he says this, he says, you need to take up the sword of the Spirit. Why? Because you can't shoot the devil. You can't throw a nuclear bomb at the devil. Here is the only offensive weapon that works when it comes to the devil, and that's the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. And it's for hand-to-hand -hand close combat. Watch this. The enemy will try to get up in your grill. The enemy will try to get up in your face. Anybody ever experienced that? He's not shy. He came right up to Jesus. When Jesus was walking on the earth, Jesus was in the wilderness. He was hungry, maybe even hangry, right? He was 40 days, and the enemy showed up face to face. And so Paul is saying, you're going to have to take up this sword of the Spirit. Now, I want to be methodical today, and I, please, please just listen with me. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence when I say what I'm about to say, but I want you to understand, Paul says, you're going to have to take up the sword of the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our part. 
My part is to take it up, to read it. My part is to open up the Bible. My part is to read it, right? And you're going to see today. See, when I was growing up, people told me, you better read the Word of God or God's going to get mad at you. Listen, we read this because this is the love letter from God to us. We read this because this is his heart poured out for us. This isn't just some religious thing. Now, I do it religiously because I understand every time I'm in my word, it's sword practice. Every time I pick up this sword, I'm sword practicing, right? And if you'll pick up the sword... You can use it. If you don't pick this up, whether it's a physical Bible or you got the Bible app on your phone, right? It's a phone sword. If you, <laughs> that's weird, but anyway, it works, right? It's an app sword that you got. If you have the app on your phone, but you never open it up, you're never going to be able to use the sword, right? You won't be able to use it. But let me ask you this question. What good is a weapon if you don't know how it works? You know, a couple of friends of mine and some, some guys, we went to a, a gun uh, shooting range, and uh, I had never shot a gun before, a real gun. Now, I've shot a Toys R Us gun, and watch out. When I shoot with a Toys R Us gun, man, I'm good. I'm really good. Man, those Nerf darts, boom, man, they can fly. But a real gun, man, that's a whole different level. And I was kind of excited, but kind of scared at the same time shooting a real gun. Now, we were going to a fire range. It was legal and all of that stuff. And so, but what was interesting to me is that there was a protocol that you had to follow to shoot these guns. I mean, they ha I was even asking, like, when we showed up to the place, okay, how does this work? Like, where do the bullets go? Because we're, in, like, in an enclosed place and they were telling me how they outfitted the place. We actually had to put on uh, headphones, and I put on headphones, and I still went home, and my, my, my head was hurting because the, the guns were so loud. I wasn't used to it. And I just want to say, if you are in the military, God bless you, man. I tell you, you are a, a servant, and I will tell you, I went home like a wimp. I mean, I couldn't even hear, and I began to think about all the people who fight for our country. I'm like, how could you endure that? We were there for two hours. How could you endure that for six months? I'll pray for you, and thank you for your service to our country. But I will tell you this. They had a protocol. You had to learn how to load it. The guys were loading, and they're like, Phil, you want to load it? I'm like, no, that's okay. I won't load it. You, you go ahead and load it. That way, if it explodes, I'll just sue you that way. No, I'm kidding. I'm like, yeah, you, you go ahead and load. Some of these guys had their own, own guns, right, their own pistols. And here's the thing. You couldn't wear flip-flops. One of the guys that came with us had flip-flops on. And I'm like, well, why can't you wear flip-flops when you, when you fire a gun? And the guys were telling me because they're shrapnel. In other words, when you fire, the part of the bullet goes up in the air. And they told me, hey, listen, don't get scared. I'm like, I'm already scared. But they're like, don't get scared. You're going to see shrapnel flying. It may hit you in the arm. It may hit you in the forearm. And it's going to sting a little bit. It's going to be hot. All right. I'm like, okay. All right. All right. And this is what you call fun? Right? And so we get in there. The guy that was in flip-flops, he went and bought other shoes because there's a protocol. Right? And what I wasn't really prepared for is every time I shot the gun, the power that was in the gun gave me a kickback. Kickback. So when these guys had their little paper of the target and all that kind of stuff and they brought it in, man, they were nailing the target, nailing the target. They brought mine back and it was like, Phil, did you see the target? 
You know what? I saw the target. I was pointing towards the target. Because I wasn't aware and had never done this, you know what? And every time I shot, the kickback was so bad, I totally missed the target. And I am embarrassed to tell you today, I had a powerful weapon in my hand, and I couldn't use it correctly to save my life. I couldn't. And I believe there are many Christian people who do not, they have the word of God, but they never learn how this weapon works. And the devil comes in, man, and he's all up in your space. But I'm glad that you came today because today is sword practice. Today you are going to learn how to use what Paul calls the sword of the spirit. Come on, say it with me. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now I'm going to take a pause here real quick. For all the people are just like, let's just make love and not war. Let me just tell you something. I'm just not about this war stuff. Listen, you're going to talk about using a sword on people. No, I'm not talking about using a sword on people. If you read Ephesians 6, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is not chopping up your neighbor, right? This is not, this is not what we're talking about. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us we don't wrestle and fight against people. We fight against principalities, powers. This is what we're talking about. I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but when it comes to the devil, I'm supposed to use a sword. Can I hear a better amen than that? And so that's, I just want to be, be clear because some people are like, wow, this is kind of like, I didn't know today was going to be like rated R. Like it's, it's violent. Most battles are when it comes to spiritual things. Because the devil wants your life. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy from you. And listen, he wants your family. He wants the generations and your grandkids. This is no small matter. And that's why Paul says you need a spiritual weapon for a spiritual battle. And he says, Paul calls the word of God, the, he says, the sword of the spirit. So watch this. Are you ready? This right here, when I read it, memorize it, speak it, it works in a spiritual realm. So watch this. Even though I'm in a natural world, when I use God's word, I'm acting in a spiritual realm. Remember we said you can't fight a spiritual battle with natural weapons? So Paul's going to start to talk to us about this sword that actually goes into the spirit. So God gave you a spiritual weapon. God's given you a divine resource and resources, a spiritual sword, a spiritual armor. Now watch this. When Jesus came on the earth, Jesus said this. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit. Everybody say spirit. And life. What is the difference between this book and any other book? The difference between this book is that it's alive. It's alive. It's powerful. This book, while you're reading it, the author is sitting with you. This book, when you are reading it, it is reading you. Come on, somebody. It's alive. It's God's very word from front to back and the maps. I don't know, maybe the maps in the back. But it is all inspired. And Jesus says, when I speak, it's not just life, but it's spirit. It's a whole different dimension. Now watch, Jesus was walking on the earth right after he got baptized. And you know what happened was he went into the wilderness and the devil came. And he was hungry and, and he was tempted. Now, if the devil's going to tempt Jesus, the devil's going to tempt you. If the devil confronts Jesus, he's going to confront 
you. Why does he confront me, Pastor Phil? Because you are a child of God. You are made in the very image of God. If we would just realize this, when you walk around, see, the devil hates you because when he looks at you, he sees the image of God. Woo! So when I speak the word of God, I sound like God. I'm not a God, but I am made in his image. And when I speak his word, I sound like God. When I act on his word, I act like God wants me to act. When I think God's word, then I begin to think like God thinks. And so the devil comes to tempt. Now, let me just tell you some good news. Temptation is not a sin. Some people freak out even when they're tempted. Like, oh, I'm, I'm tempted. No, it's not, tempt is not a sin. How do I know that temp, temptation is not a sin? Because Jesus was tempted but never sinned. It's what you do with those thoughts. It's what you do with that temptation that will determine. And let me just tell you this. Usually, here's what I found with the enemy. The enemy always uses counterfeits. When he comes to you with lust, he's tempting you with lust because it's a cheap counterfeit of what love really is. And so many people give in to lust because they're looking for love. But the truth is real love is going to cause you to be more like God, not act more like the devil. Right? And so he comes to Jesus and he tempts him. Turn over real quick to Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. This is a temptation of Jesus. The devil gets right up in Jesus' face and he starts talking to him in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. And it says, And then when he, Jesus, has fasted for 40 days after he was hungry, now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become, to become bread. And Jesus said... What did he say? Say it with me. All right, I'm going to try again because it sounded like hooked on phonics. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and sent him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, watch this, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And Jesus said again, what did he say? For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands shall they bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said, it is written. Now, I want you to notice something. Jesus didn't quit saying it is written just because it didn't work the first time. He said it is written to the devil, and the devil came back. But Jesus didn't stop there and said, do I going to keep saying this? Jesus said it again. Come on, say it. I got to say it again. I'm going to keep saying it till the devil tuck tails and run. It doesn't matter how many times I need to say it. But this is the second time for Jesus. And notice, he doesn't just give up because it's the second time. He says, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. Why? What did he say again? Come on, say it loud. For it is written. Thank you. That child knows what I'm talking about. There you go. Somebody's raising that kid right. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered. Look how Jesus used the sword of the Spirit. I think Jesus is an 
expert swordsman. Maybe today we can learn from his example how he dealt with the temptation when the enemy tempted him. Listen, Jesus didn't go at the devil based on what he thought or what he felt. He just said it's written. And that's Jesus. He didn't even think about, well, you know, no, this is what he did. He said, it is written. And I think that there's times in our lives, maybe you've experienced this like me, that maybe, you know, you wake up and <laughs> you're kind of feeling funky and you just, you know, maybe there's some things right now, you're in a battle, maybe there's some temptation and you're like, God, is this what you want? Here's what this sword does. Look at how powerful this sword is. This is why you need it in your life. Hebrews 4.12 it says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner, woo-hoo, discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So when I read this word, watch this, the Bible says it is so sharp, sharper than a two-edged sword, when I read this and I begin to look at this, the Bible says it'll actually separate my soul and my spirit. What is my soul? My soul is my mind, will, and emotions. So watch. I wake up. I'm feeling funky. Maybe I'm in a, I need to make a decision. I don't know, God, what you want me to do, right? So I look at this, this word. Here's what happens. It will separate my soul from my spirit. Pastor Phil, why would you need your soul and your spirit separated? Because sometimes your soul gets in the middle of what your spirit wants to do. Sometimes your soul is freaking out. Your feelings are freaking out. And that's not what God wants. So what he wants to do is saying, hey, look, it says it's a discerner of the thoughts. It'll show you, hey, this is what you think. But this word, here's what I think. Go with what I think. I think this is so powerful. It actually says that the word of God is even a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In other words, this word will actually judge motives. Pastor Phil, I don't know, you know, my motives, I, I don't know if they're pure. Get into the sword. Get into the word. Because what it does, it has the power to show you what God thinks and separate what you think. There have been times in my life where I've known what God thinks, but I do what I think. And it doesn't work out. But when you are confused about that and have things going on, this right here is a discerner. So here's what I want to do. I want to respond like Jesus respond. In temptation, here's what I want to do. I want to say, it is written. Come on, would you say that with me? Say, it is written. Now, I want you to notice something. I want to I look a little bit deeper into this. I want you to notice how Jesus used his sword. Jesus used his sword strategically and specifically. Listen to that. He used his sword strategically and specifically. What do I mean by that? Every temptation Jesus had a scripture for. Let me say it this way. Every temptation that came, Jesus had a nice little swing ready with his sword to slice and dice. Now, as we go a little bit deeper, the New Testament is written in Greek. There's two words for the word of God. I want you to hang with me here for a moment. There's two words for the word of God in Greek. One is logos. Everybody say logos. All right. Now I got you talking in tongues. That's good. Everybody say logos. Logos means written word. 
This is the written word of God, inspired, every part of it, written word of God. Now here's the second word for the word of God, and it's rhema. Everybody say rhema. Now rhema is basically this, the logos, the written word of God for a specific situation. Have you ever been needing an answer from God? Ever been, man, Lord, you may be there, I need your wisdom. Here's what you need. You need a rhema word from God. You need a specific scripture to help you. And the Bible says this, watch. When I'm reading the word of God, that's why I read it every day. Here's what happens. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will bring back to my remembrance what I have studied. So there can be times in your life when you don't know what to do, you're thinking about it, the Holy Spirit will all of a sudden bring up a scripture, a specific scripture in those moments. Here's what's crazy. I have read through the Bible and I have actually read scriptures that I have forgotten about, but I've been in moments in time where I need to pray for somebody and all of a sudden a scripture that I read, I don't know, five months ago will come up just like that. You know what that is? That is the written word in a specific moment that is a rhema word from God. If you're getting it, say, I'm getting it. Come on, say, I'm getting it. If you're getting. So here's what Jesus did. The rhema word is what happens when you begin to speak scriptures for a specific battle, right? What's the scripture? Let me ask you for your situation. Can I ask you, what is the rhema word that you have for your life? What is the rhema, the specific scriptures that you have for your family, for your life, for your kids? I have them. I have rhema words, specific scriptures. Let me show you how how the sword works. Are you ready? And how it's used with the rhema, right? And, And the logos. Right? Here's how it's used. If you've been feeling, let's just say, you've been feeling fear for whatever reasons. You know, I've talked to people that don't even know why they're feeling fear, but they're feeling fear. Watch this. I think this is going to help us so much. So you've been feeling fear. The Bible says that the enemy is throwing a fiery dart of fear your way. What are you going to do about it? How many of you have tried hiding under your comforter? because you think that works. I'm just gonna close my eyes, hide under my comforter in my bed, and fear is gonna stop. How many of you know that fear knows exactly where you are underneath your comforter with your eyes closed? How many of you know fear doesn't stop just because you deny the situation? I'll just, I'll just deny this. That's not gonna stop fear. You know why? Because fear is a spirit. How do you know fear is a spirit? Because 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, for God has not given us, say it, spirit of fear. Now that for some of you freaks you out. Did you just say fear is a spirit? Oh my gosh, el cucuy, oh. Fear is a spirit, but it doesn't come from God, right? So here's what happens. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And this is what actually, if you allow fear into your life, it'll steal your power, it'll steal your ability to love, and you won't have a sound mind. That's why people who have fear, they're all over the place. You ever see people in horror flicks? They're all over the place. They make the stupidest decisions because they are full of fear, right? There is a crack doll called Chucky, right? He looks like he's on a a cabbage patch doll on crack, and he's coming this way. 
right? Walking at the speed of a turtle, and you see a person, man, if it was up to me, I'd just kick them in the head. But in the horror movies, no. When you're paralyzed with fear, they're moving in slow motion, like, no, Chucky! No, Chucky! It's like, you're like, paralyzed with fear. That's what fear will do in any situation. It will make something so small look so big. Come on, somebody. But let me show you how to use the sword. Can I show you how to use the sword today like Wonder Woman? No, not like Wonder Woman. Can I show you today how to use this sword? Let me show you how to use the sword. This is what the Bible says. It's the sword of the Spirit. So here comes the spirit of fear, and it comes against you maybe in the area of your finances, maybe in the area of your health. This is what I do. I'm going to give that spirit of fear a rhema word from God. What is that? That is a specific scripture that is going to nail fear, and we just read it. We said this, so fear is coming towards me. Here's what I do. I say, devil, listen, listen, you're going to have to address it. You're going to have to address him. Jesus did right? You're going to say, devil, this is what I say, right? I say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. <clears throat> Take that. I'm going to slice you like Gordon Ramsay. I'm going to slice you like Robert Irvine. Boom. Now, what I just do? Actually, I didn't just use my sword. I actually just used the whole armor of God. Can I tell you why? Because when I speak God's word, here's what I'm speaking. I'm actually speaking the truth. And the truth is like a belt, remember? So even just that, speaking that rhema word, I'm speaking the truth. The truth is part of the armor, right? When I speak God's word, I have my belt on. When I speak God's word, what I just did is he threw a fiery dart of fear. Here's what I just did. I put up my shield of faith. Why? Because when I said this scripture, I didn't say it. Um, God is not giving me a spirit of fear. But a love power and sound mind? With a question mark? Who put a question mark on the teleprompter? I didn't say it that way. I said it in faith, believing that the truth sets me free. And so when I said that God has not given me a spirit of fear, devil, those aren't my words. Those are God's words. And so when I said that, come on, somebody, I said it in faith. So I just not only got a little shield up, I got a little jab in there too. Come on, somebody. And when I said it, I had my breastplate on. Because my righteousness, I don't stand in my own righteousness. When the devil looks at me, he doesn't see Phil Valdez. He has to see the righteousness of Jesus Christ that protects my heart. And here's the truth. When I said that, I stood with peace on my feet. Because I have the presence of God. Because peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God. And if you could just get a hold of that that God is behind you, that he is before you, right? And if God before you, who can be against me? Come on, somebody. That's me using my sword. Come on, if this is good and you're receiving it, give the Lord a good round of applause. Because if you don't, I may poke you. Now watch. I know this is a little funny, but I want to say this. What I did when I used my sword is I used the rhema word of God. That is the logos, 
spoken, specific scripture. Now, if the devil came against me with fear and I said, all right, devil, Jesus wept. Now, is that the written word of God? It is. It's Logos. But I don't think that's it. The devil, yeah, he did weep. It's in the scriptures. But that is not specific to my situation. Can I hear a good amen? And they walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. That's Logos. It's good. It's all inspired. But what you need is a rhema, specifically strategic sword of the Spirit in those moments. And I want to ask you, do you have a scripture for your situation? Do you have a scripture for what you're facing? And here's why I need to be reading and meditating the word on the word. Because the enemy will run rapid in any areas of our lives that we're ignorant of the word of God. If you don't know this word, you're not going to know how to use this sword. And this is why, my church family, a lot of people are not overcoming. What good is it to have your Bible on the back of your toilet and never pick it up? What good is it to have your Bible app and never open it up and reading it? I just think about if, if today, hypothetically, right, some guy came in, jumped up on stage, right, and just, like, beat the tar out of me. I grabbed the sword, fell down, was unconscious, the sword there, and then the popo comes in, right? The police come in, and they're, like, asking you guys what happened, and they're like, hey, you know, he, 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 the guy knocked him out? Yeah. Well, what was the sword for? Well, he, he had a sword. Did he use the sword? No, he didn't. That's, that's the interesting thing, is he never used the sword. The popo says, why didn't he use the sword? We don't know. And I think that's where many people are today. The enemy is coming in like a flood, and you have the sword on your coffee table. You have the Bible app on your phone, but you never use it. And my church family, what's sad to say is if you don't use the sword, which is the sword of the Spirit, you will not overcome. But if Paul said, if you'll do what Paul said, watch this, and you pick up the sword of the Spirit, you're going to cut into another realm, a spiritual realm. And you know what? You can overcome. Come on, if you're an overcomer, give the Lord a good round of applause. feel like manly with this. I feel like I need to go. But I just love that analogy. I personally have some Ramal words that God has given me before we started the church, before we knew anything would happen. You know, I love Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord just gave me this. It's the Logos, but he gave it to me specifically. You know it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I love that scripture. Even this, those words. You know, one translation says this, the Lord is my source, right? The Lord is the shepherd. One translation says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's financially, relationally, spiritually. I always say that. I thank you, Lord, because you are my shepherd, I will not want for any good thing. If the Lord's your shepherd, like we talked about in the offering, if he's the source of your life, you will not want for anything.
But if you're the source of your life, if you're your own shepherd, ooh, you're going to want for a lot of things. But there's been times in my life where I didn't know how things were going to work out. I didn't even know if people were going to come to church. I had no idea. I looked at the bank account in the church in the first year, and whoo, there was a lot of shield of faithing in that part, right? But I remember, I was like, Lord, you called us. Here it is. And devil's like, you're not going to make it. I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Ugh. I don't know, Phil, are you going to find leaders that are going to help you with the church? I don't think you're going to find leaders. You know, people in California, you know, you know, they're just, you know, they just go to the beach. They don't really care about church. You know, they're not committed. Oh, oh, really? 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 Oh, okay. Well, here's the thing. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want for anything. Lord, you called us to this place. This is your church. Listen, you will supply all of our needs financially, leadership, relationally, spiritually. Come on, somebody. I have to use my sword. You know, one translation of that says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will never be in need. Man, I love that. I love that. And I want to end with this. I titled the message today, stay stuck to your sword. It's one, this guy's one of my favorite people in the Bible. There's a story of one of David's mighty men. And they used swords back then. Now, obviously, there was a physical sword. But in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 9, as we close today, I love this. It says, after, and after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. And I don't know if I could, if my dad was named Dodo. I, I don't know if I could make that. I'm going to be honest with you. But obviously, he was a mighty man, so you don't want to make fun of no Dodo. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Aphrodite, one of the three mighty men with David. When they defeated or when they defied the Philistines, watch, who were gathered around, Philistines were the enemies of God's people, watch this, for battle. And the man of Israel, the men of Israel retreated. Eleazar arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was so weary that his hand stuck to the sword. Watch this. And his hand stuck to the sword, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Watch this. He used the sword. God brought about the victory. Let me say it again. He used the sword. God brought about the victory. He, are you ready? Watch this. Here are the Philistines and Eleazar, son of Dodo. He goes to attack. He looks around. All of his friends retreat. I don't know if you've ever been in a battle where the people you thought were going to be there are going to be there and they're no longer there because they retreated. That's mental. That's, that's, that's tough. But it didn't matter because here's what he did. He picked up his sword. The Bible says that when his hand got weary, so he got tired in the battle. But I, know, I want us to notice what he didn't do. When he got tired, he didn't let go of the sword. When he got tired, his hand actually started to grip harder onto the sword. And when he gripped harder, I love this. I love this. The Bible says his hand 
man stuck to the sword. So he kept fighting. So something happened in his weariness where God took over and strength came into him and the Lord brought about the victory. Can I just tell you as we close today, as a pastor of a church, I see more people let go of their sword than hold on to their swords. Oh, my life is going through hell. Why don't you pick up the sword? I talk to people, I haven't seen you in church for three months. Well, I've been going through something. Pick up the sword. Pick up the sword, man. I'm just going to feel sorry for myself. You will and you'll lose. That's not the way that we fight spiritual battles. You've got to pick up the sword. And then I see people pick up the sword. They use the sword, and all of a sudden they see victory, and then they put the sword back down and go live their life. Don't let go of the sword. Whether you're winning or losing, get your life stuck to the sword. And listen, it says that his hand became one with the sword. This is the way I want to live my life, and I believe this is the way we overcome. We overcome Watch this. I believe when our words become one with his words, we start to speak a different language. Listen, when my thoughts start to become one with his thoughts, we can overcome. When my life is intertwined so closely that we're one together with God, we can overcome. How's your sword life? How's your sword life? Because this is a sword of the Spirit. My church family, if you can pick it up and use it, you will win. Let's allow our lives to get stuck to the sword. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.